Well, we've been studying about Abraham. And I just want to apologize that the scripture that we're using, I had to go through and just take out a whole bunch of stuff because there's so much in it. And I'm, we're try, I was trying to make one point. So basically, if I had tried to teach all the things and the situations that Abraham was dealing with in these scriptures, it would be like my rabbit trails, which I'm accused of having. It's like they, we would have had a litter of 20 baby rabbits all going in different directions. And personally, I would have really enjoyed it. <laughs> but we'd never make the actual point I want to make. We'd make 20 others, but never. So uh, my condolences, I'm sorry for those who are theologians and going, he didn't make this point or this point or this point. You're right, on purpose so that we will be leaving here at 12 o'clock. So you look at why we're studying Abraham. Now, Abraham, the story of Abraham is in Genesis, the book of beginnings. This is the very first book. And Abraham is the father of many nations. That's his name. They call him the father of many nations. And not only that, there's three major religions that call him their father. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And I did those in order because first there was Judaism. And then Jesus was a Jew, by the way, if you didn't know. And so from Judaism, Jesus completing the law, fulfilling the law. And we have Christianity. And then 200 some years after that, if not even more, Islam comes along. And Islam is the illegitimate child of Judaism, Christianity, um, Moloch, and Baal. It's kind of, it's all, they call it the desert religions, all kind of thrown in together and twisted. And, and even, even in Islam, they have a book, and it's named after Mary, Jesus' mother. Uh, Jesus, they consider Jesus a prophet, but they just kind of throw it all in, but they also consider Abraham their father. So he is a key figure, a key figure in the New Testament, being that he's in the book of beginnings, Genesis, and he's making statements. And one of the reasons he's so key is that Abraham is the first that the, the story of redemption comes through. It's the first time redemption is introduced in the scripture, a way to righteousness. And we have to take a look at that because it gives us a glimpse and an understanding of the New Testament. What was expected of Abraham and how he learned because he went from failure to just, just miserable miserableness, some success, some not so fear, faith, He's just kind of this mix of both of them. And because of that, we find that it produces a great growth and faith. His struggles, failures, and successes. And there's the, the, we need to learn from that, which we're going to do today. What happened? Because Christianity today... I hear so many people going, 
I can't do this. I failed at that. I was believing that God was going to do that, but I guess I don't have enough faith. And I was, my goodness. And so people back off because of their failures. Some of the most successful people in the world will tell you they learned more from their failures than they did from their success. Yet, there's something in us that if we think that we've, we, we failed, we quit. I'm tired. It's humiliating to fail. Just absolutely. It's humiliating to believe in something and stand for something and say that oh, you're standing for it and it doesn't happen. So we quit. And I believe so often that's where many are in the church because we want this instant thing. Why did this person die? I was praying for them. You know what? I, I work for a big church, and they always sent me to those that hospital. You know, the person <laughs> not going to make it. They go pray for it, pray for a miracle, pray for a miracle. You know, and you pray, and the first five people I prayed for died. It's like I'm the angel of death. But you know what changed? I kept praying. I kept going. And I saw people miraculously healed. I've seen miraculous things. Miraculous. I've seen, I don't even want to get to him. You're going, he's crazy. <laughs> I've seen angels. I've had demons speak back at me out of small babies. Wild stuff. But I could have taken those first five people I prayed for and said, it ain't going to happen. Well, God does that deliver. But he does. He does. Through failures, struggles, and success will produce great growth and faith. Well, it's typical when it comes to, to these things that it... That it, it it attacks us. So in chapter 18, Abraham has three visitors. Now these three visitors, they're going to say, uh, the theologians tell you it was Jesus and two angels. So these three guys show up uh, to have a talk with Abraham. Well, you're going to start uh, chapter 18, verse 9. So he goes, the, Jesus says to Abraham, where is your wife? They asked him. They're in the tent. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Wait a minute. They're even older now than where they, they were the first time they got the promise. Abraham's 100 now, not 90. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, to say the least. So Sarah laughed, and look, to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? <laughs> it's like, how old is her seed? <laughs> She's going to have a 14-year-old if she has a baby. <laughs> it's like, but who, she said it to herself. It's very clear. Yes. Verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abraham, 
Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm that old? Verse 14. You thought Sarah laughed? Look who gets to have the last laugh. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At that appointed time. And Sarah shall have a son. The the things that we humans find impossible to do, God finds it very easy. He's going to have the last laugh. Sarah laughed. Wait, 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 wait. You laugh. You've laughed. You have. When someone comes up and says to you, I see great things in you, what do you do? You're going to do a mighty work for the Lord. You're going to speak to thousands. What do you do? He doesn't know me. <laughs> if he only knew. You, we've laughed. Who has not been encouraged and told you're going to be great or do great things? Who here hasn't read something in the scriptures and, and believed that that was your word? But you know what? You kind of laugh. Many of us have laughed. When you're told, I'm expecting this of you and you're going to do it. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to do these things. And we got like, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I've had prophets pray for me uh, because I worked in this huge ministry as a younger man when I wore a younger man's clothes. <laughs> I used to tuck my shirts in. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is more than a style. It's a necessity. <laughs> they would say things to me and said the Lord tells me double, triple a hundredfold you're going to do you're going to speak to thousands and you know what your response is thank you a little, little chuckle. I was reminded that when I was speak, I spoke to 15,000 people. I taught. I looked in this arena of 15,000 people at a conference. I'm like, I laughed just like Sarah laughed. But here I am. We laughed. A lot of us have laughed, just as Sarah did. But guess what? Did Sarah have a child? Yeah. We need to learn what Sarah discovered nine months later, that God always keeps his promises, but he does it in his timing, his way. That's supposed to be working in you because many of you have given up on a dream that you had given up on a word an inspiration somebody has said something that you're going to be able to achieve these great things and we've laughed and we might have failed and we've walked away from it so once you know that God hasn't given up as long as you don't a delay is not a denial but rather a time of preparing you for the promise. A delay is, well, I didn't get it. I thought it was going to happen here. It didn't happen. 
You haven't been denied. It's been delayed. Something inside of you needs to get prepared for when it does happen. I always want, Crystal and I, we lost uh, two children, a miscarriage. Uh, first one, and uh, was it a second one or third one? And so I always wonder, I said, Lord, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Why does this happen? And we had to have them examined to make sure it wasn't a medical, you know, like cancer or something. And they were boys. And then I have three girls and then a boy. And I asked the Lord again. I said, Lord, why, why, why didn't I have the first two boys? I know, I believe that I'm going to meet them in heaven. But why didn't I have the first two boys? And this is what he got back. He says, you weren't ready to raise boys. I went, and he's right. I would have been way too hard. Now, the problem is with Jared, I was way too soft. But <laughs> <laughs> And he thanks the Lord every day. <laughs> I had to get prepared. And I'm proud of I've, every one of my children. I am so, they all serve here. And their spouses. It's God's timing. Now back to Abraham. and we, We're going to see how he shortens his learning curve that he's been on. Verse 16, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Remember, these two angels are walking with them. Abraham is in earshot of what he's talking about. He's right there. It's like, hey, I'm right here. Verse 18, Here's what they had to say. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that. Who else has been chosen? In the New Testament, wait, remember the Old Testament is now a shadow of what's about to come. He says, I have chosen Abraham so that he's gonna have so that he can do this. Let me tell you, Jesus told us in John 15, 16, he goes, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. Every one of us have been chosen. You didn't choose. You thought you chose the Lord. Said No, the Lord sent the Holy Spirit and, and revealed himself to us. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We've got the same calling in our life. We've, we are doing what God did to Abraham. He said, I chose you and I chose you for a purpose. And I'll just stop right there. I said, like, you know, I've been in faith a long time. I don't really know. I've raised my kids. I've done this. I've done that. I don't know. I've done my purpose. No, you're still here. You have purpose. 
Are you in the position? Do you see yourself? Are you surrendering to what the Lord has said to you and what he's going to say to you? Because here's what's happening to Abraham. Abraham has had failures and successes. But he hears Jesus say, you know what? He's going to be a great nation and he's going to bless all nations are going to be blessed through him. There's nothing that he's really done that, all, that, that says, well, you know, that's, that's who I am. No. He believed him. And then he just did it. He believed the words of the Lord. And instead of like, well, I've done this and I did this. I went to the hospital and everyone got well. I prayed for this person and he got better. I prayed for them. They got a job. No, that's not how it happened for Abraham. Abraham got to the place, well, I failed, you know, but when I had success, I, was, I did it the way he said to do it. Now I'm hearing him tell me who I am and I'm going to be. Now it's time I'm going to be it. I'm going to believe it and just be it. And that is the word for the church. Believe it. And be it. Are you the church? Have you been chosen? Then be it. Have a purpose. The word to Abraham is a word to everyone in this room. If you're a believer. Back to Abraham. For I've chosen him. So that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. He's about doing what is right so the promise will come. Just be about what's doing right and the promise will come. That's preparing. Then the Lord said... The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is grievous that I will go down and see if that's what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Verse 22 says, The men turned away and went toward Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are are 50 righteous people in the city. Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for their sake of 50 righteous people? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will you not, will you not the judge of all of the earth? No, wait a minute. There's something that's, wait a minute. Look at, look, look at the scope. Look how he sees God. He said, and you know what? He's taking on a responsibility. He's taking on a responsibility. Abraham, for the first time, it's not just about Lot. It's not just about his, but he's going, you know, wait a, wait a minute. He, he said, I'm going to be a blessing to all the earth. He's accepted the position that he is, he is to intercede for all mankind. 
He is now interceding for this city who came and fought him, who took Lot into captivity and his family. Where's the anger in him? All of a sudden, something changed because he accepted the words of the Lord about him. All blessings are going to come from him. All nations are going to be blessed. And you know what? He accepted that position. And he started to see a different, a, a different vision of the world. A different, a different, he became a different person. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city? And I went, he goes back six times and he lowers it every time. He goes, you know, 50, what about 45? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? He's negotiating. And I think at every time, he's recognized that it's my place to intercede. If I'm going to be the blessing, then someone has to step in between. Who stepped in between for us? The Lord himself. It says Jesus Christ sits at the mercy seat and intercedes for us right now until he returns for us. Jesus has stepped in and said, you know what? The truth is there's none that are righteous. There's only one that's righteous. And the one that's righteous in this situation is Abraham. All have fallen short of the glory to God. And he's interceding for the people. That's the call in our life. Where's our intercession? He negotiates this, verse 32. It took five verses to do this. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. How could... Abraham intercede for such a terrible place. These people have caused his family harm. Well, one, Abraham understood his calling and he was a tool for salvation. A tool for salvation for people who have hurt him. But something has changed in Abraham because at that moment when he heard, he, he heard the Lord saying, you know, we know he's going to be great. We know that all blessings are going to come through him. He realized he did not deserve it. That God had forgiven him numerous times through his failings. Yet the calling is on his life. How many times have we failed and we've walked away from what? God has called us to do. How many times have we disappointed ourselves? I heard, uh, and I've heard it many times, but I heard it again this week that somebody was coming to church, fairly recent believer, and they stopped coming. I said, why'd you stop coming? Well, I started to hang out with my old friends and I've been drinking again. 
my thought was, okay, so where's your calling? Their personal failure stopped their calling. That, the, for Abraham, that's what helped him to become successful. Yeah, I failed. You've not disappointed God. God knows you're fully capable of sinning. <laughs> He's just fully aware that you're struggling. But which do you believe? What he has said that you are? Or what you say you are? That you're the failure in your eyes. Thank God he sent his son. Because I said, I've taken your sin. I've taken your sin. Go and do what he's called you to do. Go and grab that dream. You know, Abraham was interceding for the next generation. He was, he was interceding for generations yet to come. So he had to save Sodom. Because the next generation after Sodom could repent. We're building a building for the next generation. And sacrifices are being made. It's for the next generation. The call that Abraham, what we see Abraham doing is on every one of our lives too. <laughs> The Lord didn't say, Abraham, look, you know, you're kind of 50-50 right now. The failures and successes, you know, if you up it a little bit, maybe I can use you more. He goes, no, we know. I see you out there. That's who you are now. But I, I, I see you. So be it. Believe it and be it. Someone says, hey, I really want you to pray for my mother. She's terminally ill with cancer. You know, there's somebody in my group that really has got a gifting for that. Shut up. Sure, tell that person, but that person came and asked you. Don't put it off on someone else. Can you imagine what it is for someone to come and ask for something like that? What they must think of you? How they see you? That they're asking you and you go, ah, not really my gift. I love the 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the very last line. It said, when you preach the words of God, you go. When you teach the words of God, it said, go and teach it as if God himself told you. I believe it. I'm going to be it. Says it right there. Says it right there. If I'm called upon, you go there and fulfill it as if God Himself told you, not this person. As God Himself. Man, you'll sense the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh no, you'll come away going, oh, I should have done more. I should have done more. You believed it and you became it because of God's word, not that voice in you. First Timothy chapter two, 
verse 1, it says that God wants everyone to be saved. He didn't say everyone's going to be saved. That's his desire. Who's interceding for them? Because Jesus is on the throne interceding for us. He left us behind to intercede for them. Who's interceding for the lost in your family? Or, oh, they're too far gone. The Apostle Paul was killing Christians. Oh, he's too far gone. Who's going to say, my family made it. My marriage made it because of you. Who's going to say, I got to heaven because of you? We're to be interceding. We're to stand in that gap and intercede for those things. You know what? He, he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. And let me tell you, that's a bad place. Who's interceding for Hollywood? Bad place. Who's interceding for our government? Bad things. Instead of being angry over it, instead of having resent, stand up and said, Lord, raise up one righteous in there. Raise up. If it's not going to be me, let me be the one who intercedes for them. That may be the reason you're here. It's to be in intercession that the Spirit of God is going to rest on someone who is in a position to change it. They could change all of this. But who's interceding for Sodom instead of being angry at it? Instead of looking down at it. We have got the call of Abraham and for the next generation to intercede, to do our part, to do that stuff. We've been called to do the stuff. I haven't been trained to do the stuff. I've read about that stuff. I'm just going to pray about this stuff. It's crazy. I mean, I had this crazy stuff going on and this person's manifesting in a service and this thing was hanging out of their mouth, this slime, and, and, and they said, Mark, go take care of that. It was the first Sunday that I wore a gray suit. I just bought it. And I wasn't concerned about what I was going to do when I got down to there. I was just going, Lord, don't let that stay in my suit. Crystal will kill me. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, so guess what I did? Hmm. Jesus. So we drag her off to my office and she starts crawling around like a snake. I said, this is just weirder and weirder. I said, in Jesus' name, stop it. She stopped. I go, go get the praying old ladies. <laughs> we had a whole group of ladies who were in intercession. They went and got there, delivered this, this girl. And I mean, it was phenomenal. Just, it's all, I see it all the time. And was I prepared for it? No. What did I do? What I knew. Jesus. <laughs> Who here can say Jesus? Who can say in the name of Jesus? Believe it. Be it. We've been called. You want to see the stuff? 
do it. Don't, don't wait. Don't ask the Lord, Lord, if I could just see someone else doing it. You do it. You do it. You can half-heartedly do it. Do it. Believe it. And there's going to be failures. And then there's going to be successes. And that's what adds to your faith. Like I said, the most successful men in the world learn from their failures. The biggest failures in the world quit because of the shame of their failure. Which are you? Which have you listened to? Here's a small group question. Even if you're not in a small group, you need to ask yourself, who's the one person that you need needs you interceding for them? Interceding for them that someone come along. Who's going to point to you and say, this is because of you? What are you not giving or doing? Why aren't you doing it? I hope it's not because of failure. Let's stand. What I'd like to see happen isn't always the timing of God. It isn't. But I trust, I have to trust him. That might be the process that I'm in is having to trust. I'm going to ask Pastor Peter to come. Just put all this to a sentence. A prayer. Now, it could be a run-on sentence. No, a perspective, not a sentence, but a perspective. What the Lord spoke to him in this message. Because I think that there's someone else that needs to hear just one little more perspective for it to hit at home. And then you'll pray. I didn't realize there was going to be a test on this. Um, What really struck me was how much we want the blessings of Abraham but we don't know that we necessarily want the calling of Abraham. But you can't have one without the other. Because when someone dies, there's an inheritance that passes from one generation to the next. But you don't get to pick and choose which part of that inheritance you get. You might be able to reject the money, the financial inheritance, but you don't get to refuse or reject the curses that come from the previous generation unless you go through the cross of Christ, right? We already know that. But Galatians 3 says that we inherit all the blessings of Abraham. And I believe that's true. We inherit the blessings of Abraham. Maybe what we didn't consider was we also inherit his calling to intercede for the lost. Father, we ask that you would renew a passion within us because you didn't tell us to build your church. You told us to make disciples of all nations. You said, Jesus, you would build the church. Forgive us for being about the business of trying to build the church, trying to make a community just work perfectly and work just right. When the fact is we need to have the passion for disciples, not for the church, but for disciples. And I pray you would give us a renewed passion for the lost once again. Help us to have the boldness to intercede with Uh, for them and to negotiate with you but Jesus if you would just give me one more opportunity to win that person for Christ if you would just give me one more open door 
for my neighbors, for my for my for my my, my family, for my friends, for my co-workers. I pray, Jesus, you would give us eyes to see the harvest, to see the harvest, and not be re- not be waiting to be ready, but choose to just jump into it now, regardless of if we're ready or not. We choose to be about what you want us to be about. Give us a renewed passion once again. We ask this in your precious Son's name. And all God's people said, Amen.